Let us pray. Holy Father, once again we come before You asking Your blessings upon this service that it might be honoring and pleasing to You, that it might be edifying to the saints. Again, we would pray for Brother Horner with regard to his surgery. Uh, we would trust that he might be out of the surgery by now. Either way, that you would continue to watch over and bless him and give him a speedy recovery. Be with the family. Be with uh, the Spicer family with regard to the loss of of the baby. And may you comfort uh, the families, all the families involved in every way. Guide and direct and keep us by your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Coming back to 1 John chapter 3, we taken up this section in verses uh, 19 through uh, 22, but we we didn't make we just got through verse 19 this morning. But we, you remember, we made talked about this section being confidence before God having confidence before God. And we pointed out that this is based upon the fact of how we uh, show our love and uh, how that uh, we do not love in word or in tongue, but we love in deed, in and indeed, I'll read uh, the verses and then we'll come back and pick up in verse 20. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So we see that, again, He talks about our heart condemning us that God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. In other words, If we are in a state of questioning and our hearts are condemning us, we have to realize that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, Jeremiah tells us, and that 
God does not act upon our feeling, but He acts upon who we are and what we do. In other words, we know that we are of the truth and assure our hearts before God. But if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart because He knows what's real. Our, like I said, we cannot trust our feelings. Sometimes a group of people will get together and start telling someone how bad they look and convince them that they're sick when really they may not be sick at all. And you know as well as I do, if you're around somebody that is always down and has what we would call an Eeyore complex, uh, I don't know whether you people know about Eeyore or not, but there was a, a little book that our children had about Winnie the Pooh and the different characters in it. And one of the characters was a little donkey named Eeyore. And he was always down and feeling bad and feeling sorry for himself. And uh, when you get around somebody like that, if you're not careful, the next thing you know, you're not feeling so well. You're uh, also, you know, too. So we can't we can't trust our emotions. If you watch any uh, movies or stories in the modern entertainment business, the thing that is constantly stated in every situation when somebody doesn't know what course they are to take, maybe what job that they are to take, or who they are to love, or uh, who they are to marry, or, you know, who knows what the scenario is. But in the movies or in the stories that are portrayed, the thing that is constantly stated over and over and over again, not only just in one uh, entertainment, but in all of them, trust your heart. Do what you feel right. Trust your feelings. In other words, should I take this job or that job? What does your heart tell you? Should I love this boy or that boy? What do your feelings tell you? Well, that's a sure way 
to go wrong. That's a sure way to go wrong. There's many a young people, whether it's a boy or a girl, when they're looking for a mate, they first of all are looking for someone that is appealing to their eye rather than someone that has a godly character. Rather than someone that has a godly character. There have been more than one situation that I have uh, recommended. Either a young lady or a young man uh, to someone and uh, they, uh, they, they just didn't want to have anything to do with it. When, in my opinion, the individual that I recommended was very, very, very godly individual. And I don't think they could have gone wrong at all. Recently, I won't call uh, the man's name. Uh, he was, uh, I remember when he was born, but he's a full grown man now, married and has six or seven children. I don't remember how many right now, but uh, he said that, uh, t actually told me this recently, we were talking about situations uh, kindly along this line, and he said, one of the things that kindly impressed him uh, of his wife, or regarding his wife, was that she told him when she first saw him, uh, she could hardly stand to look at him. <laughs> In other words, uh, she didn't marry him for his looks. She married him for his godly character. She married him for his godly character. And a very godly man. And uh, just to show you one of the traits that I think is very, very becoming of him, he, he refuses to get on Facebook because he doesn't want to be... Uh, inundated with all the junk that's on it. He said from what he hears about it, he knows that he uh, he doesn't need to be on it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but the point that I'm making is, here was a young man and a young woman uh, that they love each other, been married for several years, and uh, like I said, uh, I forgot how many children they have, and uh, but anyway, uh, they were attracted to each other, not by their looks, by their character, by their character. And God knows our character regardless 
of what our hearts may tell us. Aren't you glad God is just? Aren't you glad that God is just? God is greater than our heart. I'm glad that God's greater than my heart. If God were not greater than my heart, when my heart is loaded down with sin, there would be no deliverance because sin would be greater than God, wouldn't it? But God's greater than my heart. And God knows all things. Now we say that God knows everything. But we lose sight of that quite often. But I can assure you that God knows everything that's going on. He not only knows everything that's going on, He knows everything that people are thinking. And He's going to bring that into judgment in His own time. But beloved, He knows your heart too. He knows your heart too. On this where it says, If our heart condemn us, well, on this verse, uh, verse 20, I want to take the time to read John Gill again. For if our heart condemn us of want, of love to the brethren, you know what that means? When he says a want or of lack, you know, W-A-N-T can be used for lack or for a lack of love. For love, for want of love to the brethren and of hypocrisy in it as well as of other sin, any other sin. For the conscience which is meant by the heart here is accuser witness and judge. If it accuses of the evil of sin and is as good as a thousand witnesses and upon its own testimony pronounces guilty and condemns. If the heart is doing that, Gill goes on to say, regard God as greater than our heart. For He is the maker of it. And He has the power over it and the management of it. It is in His hands and to be turned by Him as He pleases. And He is the searcher and the trier of it. And besides is a uh, swifter witness than conscience and a superior judge unto it. And then, and knoweth all things. God knoweth all things. 
In other words, God knoweth all things that are in the heart, the principles of actions, and all the actions of men for which their hearts condemn them, and all the sinfulness in them, and the aggravations of them. Wherefore, as He knows them more perfectly, He judges of them more exactly and will reprove them sharply and condemn more severely for them. Hence, if the condemnation of men's hearts and consciences be so very great as sometimes to be intolerable and insupportable, what will be the righteous judgment and dreadful condemnation of God? How fearful a thing will it be to fall into the hands of the living God? This sense is confirmed by the Syriac version rendering it, quote, how much greater is God than our hearts, end of quote. There is another sense given by some, which is not by way of terror, but comfort. And that is that if the heart of hearts of believers accuse, reprove, and condemn for sin through unbelief or want of clear view of pardon and righteousness of Christ, God is greater, as in power, so in knowledge, than the heart of men. And He knows the thoughts He has towards them, which are of peace and not of evil. The covenant He has made with His Son, of which He is ever mindful, and what His Son has done, that He has made full satisfaction for sin, and brought in an everlasting righteousness, so that let sin or Satan or the world or the law or their own hearts condemn them, there is no greater condemnation of any avail unto them. But the former sense seems to be best agreed with the context. And then, verse 20, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. What are those things that are pleasing in His sight? Loving our brethren. Indeed. Loving our brethren. Indeed. That's the whole overall context here. But notice, biblical asking... And whatsoever we ask. What is prayer? What's the meaning of prayer in its simplest definition? To ask. What is praying? Asking. That's what we do. We go before God and we let our requests be known. We ask. The idea here is present 
active, subjunctive, that is, continuous asking. It is not the idea of just asking one time and leaving it alone. It's the same thing that we find in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. That is a continuous asking. A continuous asking. What I would like to do at this point is that we look at some passages of Scripture regarding prayer in hopes to encourage you somewhat. First of all, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I do believe that a child of grace is one that is given to prayer. You remember when the Lord told Ananias to go to Paul and to baptize him when Paul was on his way to Damascus to uh, persecute the saints? And what did Ananias say? Ananias said, Lord, I've heard about this man, how that he persecuted people and so on. But what did the Lord say? Behold, he what? He prayeth. He prayeth. I'm persuaded that God's people are by nature a praying people. Now, we may not pray what am I looking for here? We may not pray like somebody else prays. I never will forget when I read the diary of David Brainerd. He was a missionary to the Indians and he went out there in the wilderness and he would shut himself up for hours praying. When he got through sometimes his clothes were wet with sweat from his labors in prayer. I came away from reading David Brainerd's diaries and experiences in prayer and so on, wondered if I had ever prayed at all. And you read of different men that pray at different times and are... Uh, are different in their prayer lives. One of the noted men of 
the past was also George Mueller, who started orphanages and fed thousands every day. He never asked anybody for any money, any food. He never let anybody know what their needs, what his needs were. He only asked God, and God always supplied. A man of prayer. A man of prayer. And there are various men that way. And let me uh, kindly stray stray aside into bypass metaphor a moment and uh, bring in another analogy along beside of what I'm trying to get at. Several years ago, I read an article in the Moody Monthly magazine and it uh, featured three or four notable men that had great ministries. One of the men, and I forget, I, I don't even remember any of the men. I don't for, I don't remember any of the ministers, so I, I I'm not going to get uh, remember all the details of each one. But uh, let's say Minister A, he was a minister that spent hours in his study. And his congregation grew to hundreds. Another Another man, say Minister B, hardly was in his study at all. He was out visiting, going from door to door. He had hundreds in his congregation. Minister C was totally different from Minister A or B. And yet he too had a, a, from all appearances, a profitable ministry. And what they were what the article was focusing, here were these different men that had different talents, that used their talents differently, and God blessed each one of them. And they said, you cannot say that if you do a certain thing a certain way as a minister, God will bless you because your talent and the way God will use you may be different from the way the Lord would use someone else. Well, let's bring the ministry back into our subject of praying. You may run across somebody that spends hours a day praying and another individual that... Uh, they, they don't enter into their closet per se. Uh, and uh, I realize that that's a, an analogy, but uh, I do not uh, belittle anyone that takes it literal. You say, well, what do you mean by that? There was a, a dear sister 
at a congregation that I used to pastor that uh, when she read and learned about uh, going into your closet and pray, that's what she did. She had a chair in her closet and she would go in there and pray. I coveted that old sister's prayer very much. I never did try and uh, none of the other ministers ever did try to discourage her from that. But because what I'm saying is different people pray differently. You may be one of those that goes about your daily activities and your mind is pretty much on the Lord and talking to the Lord throughout the day. And so I do not want you to think that while we're looking at these verses about prayer that I am trying to define a certain way of praying. But I believe that God's children are praying people as a general rule. However it is that God may have them to go about it. Alright, Psalm uh, 34. Psalm 34 Verses 15 through 17. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their troubles. Has that not been your case? Some of you have lived uh, over nine decades. The Lord's delivered y'all out of a lot of troubles. Some of you had some pretty heavy trials, some heavy afflictions. He didn't deliver you in one day, but He delivered you. You cried unto Him, and He heard your cries. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Verse 15. Call upon Me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify Me. When God delivers us, beloved, it glorifies Him. Psalm 66. Psalm 66. Verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. 
He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor His mercy from me. Aren't you glad of that? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. But God has heard me. Has God, you can testify to the fact that God has heard you. You know He has. Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. You believe that? I like what Paul said when he was on the ship there in the Adriatic Sea and during the, the storm. And I, I like that statement, uh, and I believe God. And I believe God. In other words, Paul said, God appeared to me and He told me this. And He said that all the men on the ship are given to me. And He said, and I believe God. Not I believe in God. Not that I ought to believe God. But I believe God. I believe what God said. I hope these verses are making an impact on you. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He heareth the prayers of the righteous. Has God heard your prayer? Then you must be a righteous individual in the person and work of Christ. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Verse 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Verses 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him. And our God, for He will abundantly pardon. We could say, why would God do that? Because of the next verse. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your thoughts, you know, as high, His ways are higher than, than ours as the heavens are above the earth. But anyway, Jeremiah 29. These are verses, just a few verses to encourage you to pray that God knows your heart and God hears. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. 
and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Then Jeremiah 33, 3. Well, I can't give my pages to work right. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Not call and I will answer. Not I might answer. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Luke 11. Luke 11. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. Notice, God is encouraging you to pray, beloved. Luke 11, And it came to pass that as He was praying in a certain place, when He ceased, one of His disciples said unto Him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught His disciples. See, if you don't know how to pray, you can learn to pray. See that? And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot arise. I, I cannot rise and give thee. Man, don't you know I've had a rough day? I finally got the children in bed, finally got them to sleep. And you want bread? Go away. Don't trouble me. I've got everybody in bed and we're all in bed sleep. 
I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. What's importunity? Constantly knocking. Go away. Go away. Listen, I've got them all in bed asleep. Now go away. Well, you're going to wake everybody up anyway. I might as well. How many do you want? What's God doing? He's encouraging you to go to your Heavenly Father just that way. God delights to hear your prayer, beloved. Verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. You have prayers that haven't been answered yet? Well, I, I, God hasn't answered my I'm just going to give up. No, keep on. Keep on. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, if that's not enough, turn to Luke chapter 18. Listen, this is Jesus talking to you. Starting in verse 1, And He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought to always pray and not faint. What should you do? You should always pray and don't faint. Don't faint. Don't faint. Saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Here's a man that was on the judge. Here was a judge that said, I don't care what man says. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. We got some like that today. They don't care what the Constitution says. They don't care what the law says. They're going to make a ruling like they want to make. And there was a widow in that city. Have a couple of widows here. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. 
And he would not for a while. I don't care what you, I, I don't care whether you're offended or not. I don't care whether you get any recompense or not. I don't care. But afterward, he said within himself. He didn't say it out loud. He didn't tell any other judge. He didn't say, well, you, you just keep coming to me and I'm tired of you. He said it to himself. Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. He just said to himself, I can just hear him. Of course, the Bible didn't say that he huffed, but man, she's just going to wear me out. I'm, the only way I'm going to get rid of her is just give her what she wants. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Believer, pay attention to the unjust judge. Learn from the unjust judge. And shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth. In other words, God tells you to keep on praying that you be avenged. And God is going to avenge you in His own time. You have people lie about you. Have people tell bad things about you. You got people that think bad things about you. And you want to wring your hands to God and say, what can I do about it? Just keep telling God about it. He'll take care of it in His own time. Do you believe God? Then you're going to keep praying. Christ put these, God the Father put these in His Word for you to encourage you to pray. John 14. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, and verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 14, 13. The next one is John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, 
Ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Not that it may, not that there's a possibility, but it shall. John 16, verses 23 and 24. In that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now that's just a few. I know you may think, man, that's a lot of Scripture. I could have doubled it. I could have quadrupled it. What did God put these things in the Scriptures for? For your learning. That you might have patience and hope in time of need. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. But if our hearts do condemn us, well, no, verse 20, and whatsoever we ask, verse 22, 1 John three twenty-two, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now we've given you several passages to show you what biblical praying is. You don't have any excuse for not knowing how to pray. Therefore, you don't have any excuse for not praying. God has given you many encouragements to prayer. Pray, beloved. Pray, beloved. Pray, beloved. I know the devil will tell you. I know that your own wicked heart will tell you. And sometimes people will tell you. Just quit praying. Your prayer's not reaching any higher than the sound of your voice. But God didn't say that. He said, keep praying. Keep praying. Well, I've got some more to say about this verse. But as we ask, we receive. This word receive means to take. As we ask, we keep on taking. We keep on receiving from God. Spiritual reception. Your body is dying. You might be like our brother that had surgery today. But you, you, you're continuing to receive. You're continuing 
to receive. <coughs> Brother John sent me a text yesterday saying that the surgery could be today or Monday. But he closed it out with, God knows what and when is best. I trust Him. That's what, it's, that's what it all boils down to. He also had a humorous thought in that. And quite trying. He said, all I know is I'm hungry. <laughs> in other words, he wanted to eat something. You know how you get when you get hungry, don't you? Your stomach growls. You really want to eat? You got to put up with the hunger? Oh boy, I'm really hungry. I wish I could have something to eat. But I trust God. He knows when and how. He knows what's best. Didn't take away the hunger. Didn't take away the yearnings of the flesh. Didn't take away the discomfort. Probably didn't take away the pain. But isn't it a glorious consolation to rest in God. To rest in God. In other words, he received. He received that rest. Well, Lord willing, we'll come back to verse 22 next time. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the consolation that we have. And help us to Keep our eyes focused upon the truth of Your Word rather than the sinfulness of our flesh. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.